Welcome, everyone, to this episode of This One Time at OU. Uh, excited to have Mike Massa with us, as well as Roz. Hey, Roz. Hi, Tim. Hi, Mike. Thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Ah, well, I'm sitting here with a margarita in my hand and uh, looking at Mike's wonderful uh, Facebook page called The Traditions of Ohio University. It is so interesting. So we're really uh, excited to, to talk to you about it and learn more about you and all these cool facts about Ohio University that so many people may not know. It's fact-filled um, for sure. Yeah. So what's uh, what got you going into this, Mike? Well, I'll tell you what. I've always had a – it's going to strange, strange. I came from a small town in eastern Ohio to Athens, and one of the mistakes I think I made was going to another small school. Um, I wanted to go to Ohio State originally. But um, a friend of mine and several other friends did attend Ohio University, so I came to another small town, which at first was difficult because I wanted to go see the big city as part of my educational experience. But um, it was sort of a love-hate relationship, but then I, I grew to love the place, um, as a lot of people typically do. About eight or ten years ago, um, there was a small project I was doing for OU, just a small gig, sort of like a contract thing, and I started realizing there were all kind of arcane, strange, but excitingly interesting, bizarro little facts that a lot of people don't know about. And um, I was just trying to create sort of an unofficial place where I could put everything. And I said, why not use a Facebook page? So I called it the Traditions of Ohio University or the Traditions of Ohio. And I've been doing it for 10 years. And it's sort of an impulsive thing for me. Whenever I find something new or unusual, um, either in the history of the school or some strange little nugget, I put it on there. A lot of internet digging? Is that where you get your... A lot of internet digging, yes. And a lot of university archives that people never think to look into. um, And things like that. I've even got two former university presidents following me on this site. So it's... um, it's been a lot of fun, and I enjoy doing it. Ah, and then you went to Ohio University what years? I went between 77 and 82. Yep, I was on the five-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my son's on right now. I'm hoping it's only five. <laughs> but that's certainly, you'll get an education one way or another. Yeah. Well, I noticed there's a lot of famous people that visited OU. Um, I guess presidents campaigning or just presidents going to check out colleges. What are some of, what are some of the most interesting? Well, I'll tell you what. One of the more interesting ones is Teddy Roosevelt, um, who, um, of course, the Rough Riders, the fam- one of the more famous presidents. He attended o- He didn't attend. He visited OU on a campaign swing in 1912. And one of the funnier anecdotes, and I have this on my web page, and I discovered this later, but one of the funnier anecdotes is he was uh, meeting with townspeople uh, before walking over to the courthouse uh, to give a campaign stump speech. And as he was walking across the college green, he thought that the newly established campus sundial was a was a cigar tray, a cigar ashtray, and he snuffed out his cigar to the shock of all these officials around him in the face of the brand new university sundial and walked <laughs> as he walked across the green and didn't think anything about it because they looked a lot like the sundials, rather the um, 
ashtrays of the time that were made out of concrete and they were sort of linear so you could just just snuff it out. That that location, many people may know or may not know, that sundial was put there four years earlier um, in 1907 to commemorate the first location of, of OU's building. Prior to Cutler Hall, the original building for Ohio University, the first in the Northwest Territory, was right there. And it's, it's located now behind Galbraith Chapel, but it's the same sundial that the President of the United States snuffed out his cigar. That is interesting, because I always thought Cutler Hall 1 was the first one. I didn't know, did you know Teddy Roosevelt, this is an OU-related, uh, is responsible for the teddy bear? No, he is. Um, so he was hunting, yeah, he was hunting with some guys, and he, I guess he didn't have any luxury, and they are out shooting bears, I guess. Um, but for whatever reason, they, um, they, they got a bear, and they tied it to a tree so it couldn't get away, and they said, there you go, uh, I don't know if he was president at the time. Yeah, I guess he was president at the time. There you go, President Roosevelt. You know, here's here's your here's your bear to shoot. So your hunting trip, you can call it a success. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna uh, shoot that bear. And um, you know, that turned into someone heard about that, and they made a little uh, this bear in honor of him. And then he kind of popularized it, and he sent him, sent the little bears, the ones that were made to other folks. Yeah, if you look up the history of teddy bear, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I know it has to do with him not shooting a bear and uh, him kind of embracing the teddy bear idea. So that's that's great. I did not know that. I've learned something. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I've heard of that. Hey, Mike, do you know about Paul Newman, the actor? And what's his, what's, you know, I kind of hear he went there, but it's so vague. Yeah, and then he got in trouble for rolling a keg down the street. I've heard that story. Like, what's the real, what's the real story? Well, as far as we could tell, I don't know the real story. Nobody seems to know. But I did verify he did attend Ohio University in the late 40s only for one semester, and he did not complete it. Oh, that's why it's so vague. And it doesn't say if he was kicked out or what, because I called university enrollment once, and I remember the lady that answered said, God, we haven't gotten that question in 20 years. But yes, he did attend the university. I, I know. Who calls the enrollment office? Mike Massa, that's who. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, I'm Mike on line two. I'm not going to take it. You take it. Oh, you don't know how true that is. Because I've, <laughs> call, I've called up Cutler Hall. Well, just... Uh, one of the funnier stories is, though, but he did, and he came again, and there are pictures on my site in color. He came again campaigning, I think it was from McGovern or someone um, in, the late, in the late 60s. But it was a big, it was a very popular thing, and it was, you know, in the heydays of the, of the summers of love and all that. And um, he came to campus, and there was a huge crowd because it was really popular, and those people knew that he, quote, unquote, attended OU. So um, it's kind of interesting. There are a lot of people that attended OU that folks aren't familiar with. Um, well, you probably know that George Voinovich, former senator and governor, attended OU. We have a president of a foreign country that attended OU in the 1800s. Yeah, explain that. I saw that from Liberia. From Liberia. His name was Ed Royer, Ed, and he was an African-American gentleman who went to school, one of the few at the time, from Newark, Ohio, and at that time, a lot of um, slaves after the war had tried to go to, to Liberia in Africa to start a country trying to emulate the United States. If you look at the Liberian flag, it looks very much like a U.S. flag. But while he was there, he was temporarily the president of the country, which I think is pretty great. That is. 
one of the probably the most famous story for those that are aware of this. Um, you may know that LBJ, President Johnson, came to OU in um, '64, I think, or '65, to launch before he made a famous speech launching the Great Society at the University of Michigan. He did it at OU, and he used the first time he ever used the term the Great Society. Um, in the midst of all that, it was a big deal. I mean, the president of the United States is coming, you know, down here to Athens, Ohio University. So there are all these dignitaries. All the networks were down here because they said the president was going to make a big announcement. And Governor Rhodes, who was the governor of Ohio at the time, in front of all these people, he was a folksy guy who was not known for being really articulate, introduced the president of the United States to Ohio University this great venereal university, <laughs> meaning, to, <laughs> meaning to say this great venerable university. And it went, I mean, it was, it was a laughing stock. I hear that kind of stuff spreads. That, yes, it does. <laughs> OU's had some pretty interesting, bizarro things happen. And I want to say another, uh, well, uh, Lyndon Johnson, I think it was him, um, I was reading that he uh, was given a speech and he was reading it and it said to, uh, you know, say the place with inflection. And he read that. I forget the line, but then he read it with inflection. Uh, so, so he wasn't, you know, it's kind of like it wasn't a teleprompter. He was reading it there. But, yeah, that's read it with inflection. That's something he probably would have done. That's really funny. That's pretty good. But um, a lot of folks, Irma Bombeck attended OU for a while. Um, Uncle Wally. I believe, from Sesame Street. If you look up the faces, you'll know who they are. He graduated as, an, as a theater major here. Uh, I think it was in the 40s. But a lot of folks uh, have trodden these, br these brick paths. Yes, we heard, uh, the Ed, is it Ed O'Neill from uh, Modern Family and Married with Children? I believe he went there, right? Absolutely, and I'm glad you brought that up. He, he was on the football team, but he, uh, he quit or transferred, I think, after the first year. But yes, he absolutely was an OU uh, uh, alumnus, because to be an alumnus at OU, you just have to have, have attended. You don't have to have graduated. Which... <laughs> we had some discussions on that, too, and we weren't sure. I'm glad you clarified. Well, when you talk Ed O'Neill, I went to his Facebook page, and it's Friends of Ed O'Neill. I'm like, oh, he'd be great to have on the show. And I... I couldn't find any way to contact him, so I went to the person who was the admin on that page, and they have a lot of subscribers to it. And she's like, well, I really don't know how to get a hold of him. I'm like, come on, you should have some idea, or maybe she's just not allowed to tell, because I think she knows <laughs> that that's, that's probably, probably it. it. That's a good point. I'm going to have to check that out. Now I'm intrigued. But, um, and, you know, Mike Schmidt, of course, the most valuable player for years, one of the greatest draft picks ever. He attended um, OU. In the 60s, um, a lot of people. No, did you say what sport he's in? He's in baseball. Oh, baseball. Mike Schmidt, most valuable player. Yeah, he was uh, a big draft pick years ago. But um, yeah. I'm going through my own website as I took just weird things. I, I could tell you this, that Steve Martin came here in 77. He put on a show. When he, um, you are familiar with Steve Martin, of course. Of course. Okay. I know, I know. There's an age of differential, but not much. Uh, no, we're we're just we're old like you. <laughs> You're right, and we're getting there. But he um he put on a show, and you know he did the old standard thing with the arrow through the head and all that 
crazy stuff, wild and crazy guy. And then he said, you know what? I think there's about 3,000. I don't know how many people are in Memod. But what he did is he said, I'm going to give everybody a back rub. What? I'm, I'm serious. He ran up and down every aisle and just like ran and, and slid his hand against everybody all the way through. And people were laughing so hard. He literally touched everybody in the theater and went back on stage. <laughs> this, it, it took a while, but it was, it was part of the act and it was just tremendously funny. I'll tell you something that's really bizarre. In the late 70s, as you know, a lot of big time um, music bands attend, uh, basically went to OU and, and they were showcasing the newly constructed Convo Center. That I, Yes, I think... we've heard of some of those. But before the condo, uh, Convo was built, I think a year before, they literally had Jose Feliciano um, performing and his backup band, and people don't believe this till I show them, his backup band was Led Zeppelin. One of the biggest bands on earth. This was, and the cost to attend was $3 if you were a student for both acts. <laughs> I just awesome. thought it was, it's awesome. It's- what a deal. You know, I know, I, I, I do remember hearing about that, and I'm not sure you would know. It was like Led Zeppelin's one of their first times in America. I don't know. I, may- that's what I, I'm not sure if that's true, but it's like what either their first or one of their first times. That's why no one knew about them, and they were, uh, but the people that did know, oh, they were in a t- for a treat. Think about hearing <laughs> them on that first album. That must have been just very energetic, and what a great show. They, they had just debuted in America. They hadn't been around that long, but that would have been, like you said, uh, Tim, just one heck of a show. Yeah, what was Jose's big song? I mean, what different crowds? <laughs> we, we don't even know any of his songs. <laughs> Louis Armstrong performed here with his wife, which was interesting. And, oh, um, I've never heard that. Nice. Yeah, and... Um, Great we know. We talked, uh, we had a guest on um, Clarence Page, and he was talking, he worked at the Post at the time, and that he interviewed them uh, for the Post, and he said they were nice folks. Oh, that's, I'm sure they were. Um, Martin Luther King came here one day. He was interviewed on WOUB. A lot of folks. Um, I'm trying to think. I know for a fact that the Pope never came to OU. But uh, I could tell you a story that's going to strike you as very odd. Uh, well, maybe we'll pass. Oh, no. If it's, if it's very odd, we like the odd. Go for it. <laughs> About the Pope? I told you, in 1978, he came to America. This was, this is Pope John Paul II, and I was part of a group on campus, and this is not a made-up story. People will think it's made up, but it's not. It was a Friday afternoon in the fall, okay. and typically uh-huh. you try not to have too many classes. If you're smart, you try, well, smarter, not smart, you try not to have too many classes on a Friday afternoon so you could party on the weekends, but I wasn't a partier. So we were sitting around, and this was about 1.30 in the afternoon on a Friday. And somebody said, you know what we should do? There was an Amtrak station, I don't know if you're familiar with that, right down the hill from where Bromley Hall is now, there was an Amtrak station. Yes, uh, Tim and I were talking about that train. Yeah, and it was there when we were there, but we don't really remember it. (laughs) 
No, I mean, kind of remember it, but I don't think it ran very often. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm getting off the track. Uh-huh. Off the track. <laughs> <laughs> you got to train your mind to keep it going that way. Somebody said, why don't we go see the Pope as a joke? We're reading the Post. You know, there's nothing playing downtown in the movies. We didn't go. We didn't really drink that much. We literally, three of us, caught the 445 train two hours later, put a bunch of crazy things together, some, some candy bars and stuff. We took the train to Washington, D.C. The next morning we get there on the mall where the Pope is, and it was like a <laughs> carnival atmosphere. I mean, there were thousands of people selling balloons, foods, and everything. We did it, then we came home and got back by Monday morning. And I know nobody believes this story, but it's the truth. It was, it was, it was truly wild. He was very popular. He was a really popular pope, if I remember right. He was very popular, and that's the reason. That was that was his American debut. They always say not to talk about religion, but I had to throw that one in there. Religion's fine. It's politics. Yeah, that's super cool. How far a drive? I mean, how far a train would that take from OU? It really took almost a whole day to get there because the train was going slowly. Um, We left on a Friday. We got there early. Early uh, Sunday morning, I think. I mean, it was it was it wasn't a direct thing, you know. You take these these Amtrak's and they stop at every possible place in the world, so it was just sort of like a long weekend. And we get by, came back blurry eyed on a Tuesday morning. I remember walking back up behind Lasher Hall, where the journalism building was, in time for class, and I said, "People would never believe this story if we told them." <laughs> and then a few years later, the uh, the Amtrak uh, was gone, but we would do some crazy things. We had a roommate who was a really nice little guy. He was a, he was kind of a timid person. But we'd do crazy things like, we, I, and I feel pretty bad about this now because he's deceased. But he was a good guy at the at the time, and I'm sure he still is. But um, his name was Kevin, and what we would do is just play these awful tricks on him. We call we we left a note that said Chuck called. It's very important. Please call him before midnight in one of our dorms. And it was Charles Ping's number, the president's home number. The previous president of the university who used to live on campus. And he goes, who is this Chuck? And I, we, we, we put it on speakerphone. On, and they had a speakerphone on these old phones. We put it on, and this is what you hear, click, hello. He goes, is Chuck there? This is Charles Ping, and my friend. Oh, that'd be great. My friend yeah, lost his mind. Hour. He he did. It was his house, the house. It was after hours, and my friend goes, "Oh God, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm really sorry." He goes, "Who's this?" And he, he gives his name and his year, like a rank and serial <laughs> number. And Charles Ping goes, "Sir," he goes, "My friend, I think you've been." He had this deep voice. I think you've been a victim of a prank. <laughs> It was hilarious, and 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 we hung up. And uh, that's pretty cool of Mr. Ping, though he didn't like, you know, take it too bad. <laughs> our freshman year at OU in seventy seventy seven, my freshman year, there was a a blue collar strike at the university. So, this is in the winter time of all times, and um, literally no food service, no. Um, no maintenance, nothing. This went on for, I think, a month or two. And we were all cut 
checks every day in lieu of food. You could do anything you want with that check. And of course, people went and drank. Um, they go to uh, souflakis. I mean, it was it was kind of crazy. But that went on for about a a month and a half. And one night, I'm walking by. I'm walking by Cutler Hall, and and these these guys are warming their hands. They're they're strikers, you know, r- nice guys, but rather rough on the edge. They're warming their hands over these big barrels with wood in them, um, in the middle of the night. And Charles Ping comes sauntering by, and he's got his, his jacket on. He just looks the part. And this guy screams out the most revolting thing you've ever heard to Charles Ping, accusing him of doing all kind of sordid things. You might imagine it. And Charles <laughs> Ping said, Sir, I did not. Have a good evening. And he just kept walking on. You've been a victim of a prank. Yes, yeah, you've been, you've been the victim of a prank. It's just the, he had this certain edge to him. He also said education. The first, I come from eastern Ohio. You could just say education. He's the only guy I'd ever met who would say, you come to Ohio University for an education. So I like the guy for that very reason. He was quite a, quite a unique character. I know, and to live on campus with the students, I mean... I wonder when they stopped doing that because it probably, I, I mean, I remember him living there. when. Yeah, he, he lived, lived there and we were there. And I think people would go and... protest and walk by his house, right? <laughs> they, they'd also, in the 60s, they'd, they'd go to the anatomy labs and drop body parts. But I, he, he didn't become oh, president. No, well, I'll take that back. He became president in 72. So I think the anatomy lab, I remember they were leaving body parts on the front porch. They were, they were, I don't know what they were talking or, or what they were protesting about. But five years ago, or maybe six okay. years ago, the last president to live on campus, which I thought was pretty neat, was uh, McDavis. But there was an issue with bats, literally. If you look this up, a bat somehow got into that beautiful house there, which is really old, and bit Mrs. McDavis. And this was all over the paper. And um, oh, from then on, after a 100 years or so of living on campus, uh, they changed the policy and they gave the university president... Um, money to live off campus and a facility. I just think it's, OU seems to always have or attract some of the most bizarro things that make it special. I mean, yeah, we've, had, right. we've had, okay, we've had, we've had, uh, I don't know, I was thinking one day some of the oddest things um, just through the years. You know, there was a big, um, a big issue with people cheating on exams for a while and then, but that's not that unusual. It's just a lot of strange things happen here, <laughs> which makes it special. Yeah, and you mentioned Dr. Ping. So if he started in 72 and he was there when we were there. He had a, he had a long stint. And I do know, um, rest in peace, he passed away, I think, in July this last year. So that's, uh, He just passed away. I, I think it was 74, I correct myself. But you're right, around those two years. Oh, he was there 20 years. Yeah, that's a good stint. That's a ve- very unusual for somebody. He was well-liked, though, and... Um, well, he was making sure people got an education. Did I say that right? Education. Education. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Mike, what about, um, you know, a lot of pictures, and you said when we were talking uh, before the show that you didn't have any personal interesting stories. You had two great ones. Um, oh, that's uh, true. Those two What I about, uh, do you come across many things just about Athens uh, and the university or... What are some of the interesting things about Athens? Of course, we know about the, the mental 
Institute and some of the hauntings. But what are some things that you see about Athens? Well, you know, there are a lot of things. Uh, there used to be in front of the Athens courthouse a um, the goddess of something. I don't remember, but it was regarding water. There was a beautiful fountain. It was a huge running fountain that used to be located in front of the courthouse that um, that's no longer there. But that's kind of boring. I just thought of something really funny my freshman year. Somebody had put marijuana seeds um, right in front of the uh, Athens courthouse in the cracks, in the cracks between the concrete <laughs> steps. And these things were growing like crazy. And, and somebody took a picture, and that was kind of funny. Athens... Um, well, now, Mike, uh, my son says that on, um, oh, God, what's the stoner day? 420, right? He said they love to go um, in front of the courthouse and smoke joints. <laughs> so it's evolved. It's evolved to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think half the cops would have joined them at the time if they could. But it was, um, oh, the other big thing is to crawl through the steam tunnels, which is really quite dangerous if you think about it. There are electrical tunnels they call them the steam tunnels you could only they're like four feet five feet high so you have to literally bend over but they run the whole gamut of the university right underneath yes we interviewed some of my friends that snuck under there yeah and i wonder now they went to the pool no never mind they went to that pool no but i think that's that's how they got there and i think that'd be interesting now because they probably go to places that don't exist any longer you know what i never thought of it that way we're going to have to get some snorkel gear and start spelunking underneath the um, the, <laughs> the surface of the university. Okay, I do have Help a... Help <laughs> I am... Um, what is the what purpose? Is the purpose? There's, there's steam tunnels? They're, they're, they call them they're utility tunnels to, to run conduits for utilities and stuff. You know, lines, uh, I don't know. I don't know, heat lines, uh, conduits. Yeah, like you see in any city, they have the steam that comes up from the sidewalk. So, you know, the workers go there and your water your water pipes run there, your steam, if it's heating, you know, it might be condensation from that. I think it's just a way to get to the utilities underground. I got it. I used to write, here's the thing, the university knows me because for 20 years I've written them suggestions and some of which they actually, actually follow up on. At first they go, oh, we wow. can't do that. Or somebody else will steal the suggestion years later. But I won't give any names. Um, about <laughs> four years ago, I'm walking down. You probably know who Maya Lin is. She's the lady, the the artist who who designed, she's famous for designing the Vietnam Memorial. Her, sure. her father. Well, just real quick, she's not very good about responding to emails either. So, Maya, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. <laughs> good, you're right. You know about that, huh? She, um, her dad was a, a dean, the dean of the College of uh, of Alden Library, I believe. She never really attended here, but she lived here. Um, I'm walking down there um, in front of Bicentennial Park, which is, you may know, they, they created, it was a real controversial thing. It cost 600 grand. It was called a percentage for the arts program. It was funded by state funds in part. But there's a, there's a park there called Input. I know it's hard to believe, but if you look at the condo, you look across the street, you'll see these squares with lights in them. <laughs> that sp- yeah, no, we saw them. Yeah, we saw them there, and it's, it is kind of uh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. It is interesting. People said it was, you know, but she's a famous person, so she lent her, her credibility to it. It was supposed to be lit up. I remember the big deal about 15 years ago. It was supposed to be lit up. So I'm walking down there one day, and I noticed that there's nothing but black holes there. 
You can't see anything. There are words inscribed on these blocks supposed to emulate a computer and her experiences in Athens, Ohio. So I call oh, the uh-huh. university. I go, hey, you guys know that this thing is supposed to be lit up. That was the intention of, uh, of, the, of, the, um, of the artist. I go, no, we didn't know that. And I've learned a trick. You don't just write the university. You write the board of trustees because then they're under the gun to get something done. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's where the power lies. <laughs> it, all, it all falls downward. So I wrote them, and I said, you guys don't know this, but you, know, you guys spent half a million dollars about 20 years ago or 15 years ago. You never finished it. They go, what are you talking about? I said, Maya Lin's you know, input. They go, of course, we know what it is. It's, that thing is supposed to be lit up. They go, oh, are you sure? I go, yeah. So I get a call back from the board of trustees. You're right. The thing is supposed to be lit up. So I said, why isn't it lit up? He goes, I don't know. So he checks on it, and apparently they tried to light it once. Nobody could find the light bulbs. God knows how much those cost. Um, But the university did the right thing, and they they contacted her. And um, they they were in the process of of enhancing that area anyway with further trees and lighting, and they lit the thing up. Of course, I said, could I be invited? Never heard back, but that's okay. I got a letter from her. Oh, man. Good for you. Yeah. That, that's an interesting um, sculpture, too, because I think it's supposed to be a computer punch card. So you remember back in the day where you'd punch your... I never used one. My, I remember my parents did. Um, you'd punch, put it into a computer, and you'd have a big stack of them, and you know, it kind of, I guess, it read the zeros and ones through the where the hole was punched, and it's supposed to replicate that. So... If you didn't light them up, I think you'd fall into it because they're not even with the ground, right? That's right. They're not even with the ground. And that's that's the other issue. It could become a, a dangerous situation if you're not looking. But um, they, they, they followed through. So I kind of affected big change on a famous author's uh, uh, you know, artwork. That and a dime will get you a cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, I think, I think OU has great like customer service skills from my experiences as a mom and everything and compared to other co- other parents with other college experiences that had kids going to several they're like oh OU was much better than you know other colleges so i there you go good customer service you got to love it they listen to I, I think you make a very good point Roz and it's got the feel of a, of a smaller school it really does but all the all the amenities of a big school it's a big research institution Believe it or not. Right. <laughs> yeah. But now, uh, were you a journalism major? I was a communications major. I was an INCO major. People made fun of it. It used to be interpersonal communications. It was not the easiest major on campus, but it was close. I couldn't pass statistics class, so I couldn't... My It doesn't make a difference. My, my degree says communications either way. Uh, that's what my son's majoring in after trying for business. It was like he couldn't get his GPA up. It's like just do communications. I know lots of successful people with that major. So <laughs> well, I had the same thing. I was in business and I couldn't pass. Well, I couldn't pass stats or really accounting or maybe calculus. Um, but uh, so I went a lot of interpersonal communication class and there was a professor there. I wish I could remember his name. He gave me like uh, what the independent study for six hours so I could graduate. There you go. It's the perfect default. And you can always say that's what the university is known for. It's communications program. 
Hey, wait, the past few months, um, the first wedding took place at Peden Stadium. In the first time, and Peden Stadium is about 100 years old. So it's one of the oldest stadiums in the country, and for sure the oldest in the Mid-American Conference. So somebody oh, had wow. There you go. And I riled up the university 10 years ago. I'm not going to talk about myself anymore, but I'm going to tell you one more story real quickly. I said, what, you know, I wrote them, I said, you know, Peden Stadium should be a, an historical landmark, an Ohio historical landmark. And they said, well, yeah, I guess it could. So I just took it upon myself to call the state of Ohio and said, you guys got to send down to Athens one of your Ohio historical landmark signs and designated that because Peden Stadium is one of the oldest university stadiums in Ohio and in the country. And they said, well, sir, it's not as easy as that. You know, there's a lot of paperwork. Well, I don't know what on earth happened. But about four months later, I get this call from the university. Is this Mike Massa? I go, yes. We, <laughs> we got this big, big bronze $3,000 sign here, and we don't know what it's about. <laughs> so I, I, said, I said, has somebody been talking to the university? He goes, no. Somebody, apparently you had, you had put in an order or something. So I get a call from the sports department, and they go, oh, my God. They go, we think it's great. They got, but but we want to keep it quiet for now because it's not exactly the best political environment to do this. So we're going to stick it out there, okay? And we promise if we ever have a celebration, we'll let you know. And if you go to Peden Stadium right now, it's there. It's it's, it's now a designated official um, Ohio historical site. You'll see these all over the state. Wow. Um, you are such a an influential alumni yeah well i'd like to think that but but you know what i got an award for it i i, I got a, a a call from the um sports director out of the blue one day saying i think this is great i hear you started this i said yeah i sort of did he goes well i think it was great and I, you know what the heck it'll outlive me what's the current project you're working on working on anything currently um but many ideas i've given them <laughs> nothing nothing crazy I'm, I'm here having the pleasure of being on your program <laughs> well, his uh, Facebook website, which has about 2,000 followers, and uh, it just keeps growing because it's so fun. It's called Traditions of Ohio University. So everybody listening, you must love OU if you're listening. So you're going to love this web, uh, Facebook site. <laughs> and uh, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, my gosh. It's been so interesting. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, very much, and we'll have to have you have you back because we have a, you have a lot of stories. You are oh, I've got I probably have twenty. Thank you, and I probably have twenty more like them. If you if you'd like to, I'd love to come back sometime. All right, thanks, Ross. Thank yes, you, and thanks. Part two. Ross, good talking. Thanks, Mike. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, thank All right, you. Bye bye. Bye.